Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. This is Dave. Almost like having a special guest, I have Pastor Merritt with me. Going to be monitoring our progress today. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1 9, as may or may not be necessary. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and all study your word, a wonderful book. And now I would ask that you would be faithful to your promise, which is if we would but name our sin back to God, we would be completely filled and thus taught also, Father, it takes conversation with you. Like, for example, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in order for membership in the family of God. David is ready to hold the fort in my hospitalization and Oh, for that matter, the evilness of his, of my nature. All righty. Just a quick update. As many of you know, and if you don't know, quick update. Uh, nine days ago, ten days ago, Pastor Merritt took a spill, fractured his skull. He spent eight days in the hospital. We are now at a rehabilitation center. Hopefully won't be here very long. And we'll get him back to the house and get him back to presenting the word. Last week we completed several introductory points to Daniel chapter 3. Now we're ready for Daniel chapter 3 verse 1. In the KJV, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then in the NIV, that would be King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in Babylon. Everything in Daniel 3 suggests clearly that the main purpose of this chapter is practical rather than prophetic. There are no predictions. The narrative simply reports the fortunes of the three friends of Daniel. All three were steadfast confessors of the faith. As noted earlier, Daniel does not figure in the chapter of all, at all. Most expositors believe Daniel had been sent out of country on special assignment and that he was on the king's business elsewhere. Hebrews 11.34 cites the story as a lesson in faith, and it reads, Quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. The king has his worker bees erect an adulterous image. Wycliffe says of the image, The dimensions furnished in ratio 60 times 6, a ratio of 10 to 1, This would seem to suggest an image 
set on a pedestal. This was one tall and skinny pedestal or statue. Most people are five times taller than wide, present company excluded. There are exceptions, of course. As to the location of Dura, there are at least three places at that name which have been located, one of which was near the city. The others are too distant, therefore we can safely conclude Big Gold was built just outside the city of Babylon. The image may have been dedicated to some Babylonian deity, but given our context, it would seem the statue represents King Nebuchadnezzar as the god of Babylon. There are those who believe the statue was made of pure gold given Babylon's abundant supply. Whether plated or pure, there was an enormous amount of gold used. Wycliffe goes on to write in his commentary, If we assume that the image was half as thick as it was wide, or four and a half feet tall, using these dimensions, and we assume it was made of pure gold, the total weight would be 4,400,000 pounds. Holy moly. Colonel R.B. Theme has written, at $33 an ounce, boy, wouldn't that be something, this spectacular statue would have cost about $2,315,000. Well, that, that, what would that be today at 1000 an ounce? Not only does this give us an idea of the fantastic wealth of Nebuchadnezzar's empire, but it reveals the extent of his egomania. This golden monument was set up in a valley, most likely a large open area where athletic games were held or troops were reviewed. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent for the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to a worship service. Now let's take a look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. In the KJV, Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent together together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, all the rulers of the provinces, to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. In the NIV, he then summoned the sartans, perfects, or prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. And then in verse 3, then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriff, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. In the NIV, so the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Got a little extra commentary from the intercom here at the uh, Rehabilitation Center. Principles. 
Approbation lust requires constant stimulation, and Nebuchadnezzar's lust pattern was no exception. His insatiable pride demanded admirers of his latest display of wealth and power. Therefore, he called together the officials of his empire to participate in a presentation and de public dedication of the image. There is certainly nothing wrong with having material possessions. Sin results when there is a false motivation for such acquisition and or pride of possession. The, problem, the proper mental attitude toward wealth and or promotion occurs when one understands from where wealth and promotion comes. It comes, of course, from the Lord. Let's stop here for a moment and take a look at what the Bible has to say about wealth. There is nothing wrong with having wealth. This principle is well established in Scripture. Certainly Abraham was wealthy and he fought to maintain his wealth. This is not so unusual. David was wealthy and he destroyed those who stole from him. For example, he destroyed the Amalekites at Ziklag. Wealthy people are used as examples in the Bible as godly folk from God, whom God blesses with wealth. The Mosaic Law says it is okay to kill an intruder who tries to steal from you. Man has long since identified the truth that normal people appreciate property and wealth. Abraham Lincoln, in a speech on March 6, 1860, said, I take it that it is best for all you to leave each man free to acquire property as fast as he can. Some will get wealthy. I don't believe in a law to prevent a man from getting rich. It would do more harm than good. George Washington in 1777 recognized that wealthy or propriety people make the better soldiers for they have a purpose in their defense of wealth. You can therefore send me none but natives and men of some property if you have them. Economic freedom will always result in disparities in wealth. <clears throat> the macro result will, however, be more for all. Clearly, every liberal society of recent past has now proven that communism and socialism does not succeed given time. The reference here to socialism and communism includes all forms of collectivism, where the wealth of others is used to satisfy, satisfy the wants of the have-nots. And this is true whether the means are direct or indirect, be it done by felons or government. And that's a very blurred distinction anymore as far as I'm concerned. Again, history clearly teaches the total pie gets larger when freedom permits a pursuit of individual wealth. The concept is as old as 1776 when Adam Smith coined the phrase, the invisible hand. In his book, A General Inquiry into the Nature and Cause of the Wealth of Nations, he went on to write, A free man in a free society, led by 
an invisible hand promote an end which was no part of his intention, nor is it worse for the society. By pursuing his own interest, he promotes the society more effectually than he intends. I have never known much good to come from those who affected to trade for the public good. The greater the freedom, the more significant the disparity of wealth. An anonymous writer has written, Take all the money in the world and distribute it equally, and wait a time and you will find most will make its way back to where it came. Samuel Johnson has written, So far is it from being true that men are naturally equal, that no two people can be half an hour together in a room, but one will acquire an evident superiority over the other. The Bible teaches capitalism and the value of accumulating personal wealth. So long as we think properly about the wealth and particularly the source of the wealth. Alexis de Tocqueville wrote of the problem of man and wealth in 1830 after visiting America. There is a manly and lawful passion for equality which incites men to wish all to be powerful and honored. This passion tends to elevate the humble to the rank of the great. But there exists also in the human heart a depraved taste of equality, which impels the weak to attempt to lower the powerful to their own level, and reduces men to prefer equality and slavery to inequality with freedom. God long ago, in eternity past, recognized this penchant for lust and covetedness, so he established the Decalogue of Freedom. The Ten Commandments are designed to protect the individual in a nation. Exodus 20, chapter 3, I'm sorry, 20, verse 3 through verse 17. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and shewing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor the cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, 
and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that they day, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. The Bible, according to the Freedom Code, teaches capitalism, for in its purest sense of established economic definitions, private property is to be allowed. Only under capitalism, and certainly not under socialism and communism, is private ownership of property permitted. God has never sanctioned egalitarianism. In fact, in the millennium, there will be the greatest and the least. In heaven, there will also be relative reward and differences in the haves and the have-nots. The Doctrine of Crowns tells us some will sit on the porch sipping cold Dr. Pepper, and some will pick cotton and sing with gusto because they are so happy. Old Testament prophecy of inequality in the millennium can be found in several places, but not the least of which is Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 44, and it says, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. There is a New Testament prophecy of inequality in the millennium. That's Hebrews chapter 8, verse 11 through 13. Chapter 8, And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. The problem with wealth is not wealth, but the attitude of the believer towards wealth. We need from time to time to ask ourselves the following questions. Do you know the source of your wealth? Do you recognize your responsibility to help the poor concerning from whom God brings you face to face? Do you recognize that happiness does not come from material possessions but from doctrine? Peggy Noonan, in her book, Simply Speaking, tells of Oprah Winfrey sadly recalling the many celebrities she knows who have no ability to enjoy life. Mrs. Noonan went on to quote Miss Winfrey, They seek continually happiness by purchasing more things, each becoming more bizarre. We must remember that wealth is a gift of God and we don't earn or deserve it. Deuteronomy 8.17 and 18 And thou shalt in thine heart my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. 
But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is God that giveth these power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. In Matthew six nineteen and 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. As the Lord taught repeatedly, you can store up treasure on earth, but there is no assurance that there will be a tomorrow. Wealth can be removed in a heartbeat, and there you are standing amidst your once proud kingdom eating the grass of the field. And that's Daniel 4:28 through 37. <clears throat> All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, It is not is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee eat to grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth of the kingdom of men, and giveth to whomever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. And at the end of the days, high Nebuchadnezzar lifted mine eyes up to heaven and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from great generation to generation. And in all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What dost thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are true, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. The Bible is full of examples of believers who were wealthy. Boaz who is in the line of Christ, was a wealthy man. Ruth 2.1 And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, 
of the family of Amalek, and his name was Boaz. This does not mean that all good people are wealthy and all bad people are poor. Joseph and Mary were poor, and therefore so also was Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 24. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. God curses Eli for not controlling his boys and then prophesies that he, God, will prosper Israel and curse Eli and his family. Their curse, in essence, Eli and his family will not prosper in a wealthy land. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 31 and 32. <clears throat> the time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will be not an old man in your family line. And you will see distress in my dwelling. Although I give wealth and prosperity to Israel, in your family line there will never be an old man. God gave Solomon the promise of affluence because he chose wisdom over wealth, fame, and prosperity. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee like have. Job had been blessed of the Lord with great wealth, in verse 25 of chapter 31, If I rejoiced because my wealth was great and because mine hand had gotten much. In fact, wealth and riches are promised to the righteous. Psalms chapter 112, verse 1 through 3. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteous endureth, righteousness endureth forever. Men are urged to avoid the temptation of a dalliance lest they see their wealth squandered. Proverbs 5.3 For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. Proverbs 5.10 Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. To truly appreciate wealth, you have to work for it, says Proverbs 13.11, and it says, 
Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Again, a good man will enjoy his wealth even in his death. Proverbs 13.22 A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Wealth is a gift of God as well as the power to enjoy it. Ecclesiastes 5.19 Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, and hath given power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. At the second advent, Israel will acquire the wealth of the nations. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 14. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen around about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. Though custody of portions of material wealth is given to man, it is God who, by virtue of his sovereign creatorship, owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. Psalms chapter 50, verse 10 through 15. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Promotions comes from the Lord. Psalms chapter 75, verse 6 and 7. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another. Solomon could see that God often caused it to rain on the just and the unjust. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. And the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in the righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Job could see that prosperity often followed obedience. In chapter 36, 11, and 12, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, he has promised to supply all his needs of his own. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Scripture, as you have seen, has a great deal to say about the possession of wealth and the use of both spiritual and material things. The point? We should not hold the king's wealth against him. Even after he is disciplined drastically, 
for his arrogance and unbelief. He will be blessed with even more wealth. The same thing happened to David. So go figure. And that concludes lesson number 34 in the book of Daniel. We thank you for being here with us. Look forward to being with you again next time. And then Pastor Merrick, if you close us. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to spread the word. Help us to be faithful to our responsibility. And thank you for the word of God, the mind of Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So guide us now and lead us into more truth in order that we might grow in your grace and become more like our Lord and Savior. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. If there's anyone out there within the sound of our voice without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all you have to do, all you got to do, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So until next time, so long.